Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. There's this moment caught in the book of Exodus where Moses is at the end of his life. The Lord told him, that he would never get to walk into the promised land because he disobeyed. And the Lord took him up on a mountain and let him see into the promised land. And that was enough for Moses. And and the thought I, I want I want us to hit in this in this moment is Moses didn't need the promised land because God is the promised land. If we're chasing after God for something, we're missing who God is. We're missing the the significance of a relationship with a God who hears us a God who sees us and a God who loves us. And and so I, I don't know what you're going through, but I can tell you with all my heart that Jesus is enough, that he is the promised land. He is what you're looking for. He, You're not striving for something else. He's everything you need. after a version of God of Jesus that promises a bunch of stuff and maybe you're a Christian and you're still going after that may I challenge you to mature in your thinking in a mo- for, for a moment to know that Jesus is there's not something Jesus and something else I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about our desires. I'm talking about what we love. Jesus is. He's enough. He's everything. And I would challenge you today to let that be. I don't know how what it means to reconcile it from your thinking to your heart. Maybe it's just what I do. I literally lock my iPad for a second. I want to show you. I have this on my iPad. It says Jesus is more than enough. I keep it in front of me all day every day because I'm not looking for something else to, to make me complete. I just need Jesus. And if you're here today, let, let's reconcile that. You don't need something else. You don't need that that whatever. You just need Jesus. And he's enough. And whatever comes with Jesus is enough. His salvation is enough. His cross is enough. His resurrection is enough. He's enough. 
Let's fall back in love with the Jesus of the Bible who is enough. Not Jesus and. Not Jesus in this pursuit. Just Jesus. Oh, Father, I pray today that you have your way. That you'll reconcile in our hearts that you are enough. Jesus, I pray that you will will do what only you can do. Lord, as we we transition to a time of worship in, in your word, Lord, the last thing your church needs is me talking. Because if you don't anoint me, all they're going to get is information. And we're already too educated. Lord, we we need you to help us with, with transformation. Lord, they don't need information. I don't need information. I need transformation by the work of your Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, I pray for your anointing upon me. Your word is already anointed, and I pray for every heart that's here. Lord, that you will tear down walls. Maybe there's baggage. Maybe there's different things that people have to work through to receive. But Holy Spirit, in a moment, you can tear all that down so that we can receive from you. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you have your way. This is your service. Just use me. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Man, today's a good day for so many reasons. Any day that you feel the tangible presence of God is a good day. And whether you feel the tangible presence of God, he's there. Whether you feel him or not, his presence, you can't escape his presence. I I don't know if you know that. Whether you feel the tinglies or not, you can't escape his presence. He is with you. He is for you. Romans 8 says, if God is for us, what can be against us? We can walk in confidence. But it's a good day for another reason. The church is gathered together to encourage one another, to glorify the name of Jesus Christ, and to dig into his word. And we're in the middle of a series called Limitless. And this this series is really helping us focus on a limitless God that wants to do limitless things through us. We... We, we launched this series with Embrace the Lonely Place. So often we run from it, but it's the lonely place that God communicates, I believe, the most clearly to us. And, and there are things that he can only say and do through those lonely places in life that, that transform us. I, I think it's those lonely places in life that he communicates the clearest to us and gives us direction from when we're not in those lonely places. And then... Last week, we, we talked about limitless faith and, and how really the tangibles of walking in faith is saying, God, this is what I have. I'm going to bring it to you, then do what you say. Um, I, have, I have my little, here's my mustard seed. And God says, that's enough. I'm going to bring it to Jesus and then do what Jesus says. That's really faith and obedience and and. You can't walk in faith and then walk in disobedience. It's, they, they go hand in hand. If you walk in faith, you're walking in obedience. And 
today we're going to talk about limitless wisdom. Limitless wisdom. And, and um, before we get started, I, I, I do have a PSA, a public service announcement. Amy's rolling her eyes. But Ames, would you be willing to stand up? <laughs> she won't do it. But today, Amy and I are matching, and that's a big deal. I, I just, I'm so excited for that. Because um, you got to understand, my wife hates matching. And uh, if, if we're walking out of the house and, and we happen to have the same shirt on, one of us is going to change our shirt. And I could tell you 95% of the time who it is. It's me. Even if I don't even know, I just happen to randomly grab a t-shirt. It's the same shirt. She's like, nope, we're not going out like this. And today, Pastor Ben pointed out that we both have black pants on, same colored shoes, and a denim colored shirt. And it's just, it warmed my heart. Honey, you knew what I was wearing. You chose to match me. And... um, (laughs) I left the house before her, and she even approved of what I was wearing. So, thank you. Thank you. And uh, guess what? Guys, I have a really comfortable couch, and I enjoy microwave food. So, (laughs) oh, can you take me home today? (laughs) No, today we're talking about limitless wisdom, and... All of us have a working definition of wisdom. All of us has a go-to verses for wisdom. And God is so gracious in giving us wisdom. Proverbs tells us uh, the, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And, and that could be uh, misunderstood. Like, well, why should I fear God? And I think a better understanding of that word fear is how we fear God is that I'm terrified of God. I'm terrified of being away from God. That's the beginning of wisdom. I'm terrified of being away from God. When you have that mindset, wisdom can start to grow in you. But we all have this working definition. And and how many of you guys know that walking through life, we need wisdom, right? We need wisdom. We need wisdom on all areas of life. And so what I want to do today is I want to read some scriptures. We're going to read out of James chapter 1, James chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And then we're going to answer some questions. What is godly wisdom? And... um. How do I get it, and how do I walk in it? And then, we're going to answer one more question at the end. So let's go to James chapter 1, 5 through 8. This is probably the most common verse. Like, anytime you ask for prayer for wisdom, this is a verse that gets quoted during the prayer. You know, like, someone says, I I just need wisdom about this, and inevitably... We say something to the Lord, your word says, if anyone lacks wisdom, they should ask, and you will give out of your abundance. And there's nothing wrong with that, but this is that scripture. It says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Man, that's encouraging. Come on. But you got to love those conjunction junctions. What's your functions? When you ask him, 
be sure your faith is in God alone. Okay? How many of you guys in this scripture, just be honest, you're like, what does that mean? I'm asking for wisdom, and then the Lord throws this in. I've, I've, I've wondered that. I'm like, I almost feel like that's out of place. Like, is it proprietary? It is. But, and then he says, do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. It's almost like James shifted and he started addressing something else here instead of wisdom. So he's saying, pray for wisdom, but make sure God, your faith is in God alone. I think that, that whenever we pray, we should have faith in God alone. And, and then he starts addressing something else. He says, their loyalty is divided between God and the world. And they are unstable in everything they do. So it makes sense, but to me, like, that scripture makes sense. But my whole life, it, it kind of didn't make sense, too. Because I'm like, okay, are you addressing, what are you addressing here? I've asked these questions, but the problem is my understanding of godly wisdom was wrong. So that scripture didn't make complete sense to me. And I'm, I'm like, maybe you guys are way smarter than me. I know Siri is. But with that said, James chapter 3, kind of it kind of levels this idea of what wisdom is. And we're, we're going to talk about what wisdom is. But um, we're, let's hold off on reading James chapter 3 for, for a second. Let's go down to 1 Corinthians 3, 18 through 20. It says, stop deceiving yourselves. If you think you're wise by this world standard, standards, you need to become a fool to become truly wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. As scriptures say, he traps the wise in a snare of their own cleverness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, and he knows they are worthless. So if you're, if you're operating in the world's wisdom, God's like, that's useless to me. I've heard different things. Um, you know, there's a scripture, Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? It's like, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like it. To love your neighbor as yourself. But it's like, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and so, that right there, we got to worship God with, with our intellect, with our mind, but, but how do you do that? Because if you're thinking like the world thinks, then you're not worshiping God. And, and what's happened in this last, I don't know how long, especially the last couple years, but fear and, 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 and common sense, fear and... Um, worldly wisdom has tried to masquerade in the church as godly wisdom. And anytime we make a decision based on 
fear, we're operating in worthless knowledge to God, worthless wisdom to God. And, and it's really easy to, to mistake the two because, like, well, that's wise. But is it to God? Because the Bible says his, his thoughts are as far above our thoughts as the stars are above the earth. So when we worship God with our mind, we got to worship him the way he thinks, not the way we think. And so if we think we're worshiping God with our mind by using world reasoning to make decisions, we're wrong. We can't use the way the world reasons and worship God at the same time. It's an affront to faith. It's an affront to, to how God thinks and operates. Stop deceiving yourselves if you think you are wise by this world's standards. All your worldly friends, all your non-Christian friends will think you're the cat's pajamas. But God will think you're worthless in your reasoning. And you'll never see the power of God if we operate in the world's reasoning. If we let fear dictate any part of how we think, we are literally listening. What did James say in chapter 1? He says, their loyalty is divided between God and the world. They are unstable in everything they do. Fear is a demonic spirit that masquerades as wisdom. And for too long, we've listened to it. And so I want to ask this question, what is godly wisdom? And we're going to get to James chapter 3 in a moment. What is godly wisdom? It's not what you think. Every one of us have a, has a definition. I asked different people, and I got some good, good thoughts. Um, I, one, one, uh, one answer I got was considering Christ in every decision you make. I'm like, that's a pretty good uh, I think that's a pretty good understanding of godly wisdom. Um, I had one, uh, one answer was um, try to be godly in decision making. And then like every answer I got, though, had, had something to do with something we do, which is make decisions. But it's not that. That's not how God defines godly wisdom. And so it's not what you think. The first thing I want to address, just some common things, is godly wisdom is not common sense. It does not take God's wisdom to know that you should not put your hand in a beehive. You will get stung. It does not take God's wisdom to know you should not reach into a fire. It does not take God's wisdom to know you should not jump off of a roof. If you're looking at someone and say, man, they're so wise just because they have common sense. No, they had good parents. That's, that's not godly wisdom. It's not common sense. It's not practical. God's wisdom is not practical. Well, what does that mean? I, I will say that this is probably unpopular truth God's <laughs> God almost exclusively asks his people to do impractical things 
And if you think you're walking in faith and that faith is not causing you to do impractical things, it's probably not faith. Oh, man, you gotta be, you got to be joking. Get this guy off the stage. Come move me. <laughs> I'm just joking. Don't, because I'll, I'll cower. Um, but it's not practical. Faith is not practical. If we want to see God do the impossible, if I, if I ask for a show of hands right now and you say, you want God to do impossible things through your life and in your life, I, I, I would raise my hand. Who, who else would be with me? Yeah. But God won't do impossible or uh, things in your life or through your life if you're not willing to do impractical things when he asks you to. For instance, for instance, let, let's, just, let's just go through a few miracles. When G, like Jesus' first miracle, what, what was the problem? They were out of wine at a party, at a wedding party. What did Jesus ask him to do? He asked him to fill up these 25 to 30 gallon jars filled with water. Impractical, because what did they need? What was he asking him to fill up? Water. He spits in dirt, puts it on a blind man's eyes. Impractical. What did the guy need? Sight. What did Jesus do? Made mud and told him to go wash it off. Um, another one, let, 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 that's, those are miracles. Let's think about this. He asked, he asked a prophet in the Old Testament, I believe it's Ezekiel, to lay on his side for a whole year. Just lay on his side for a whole year. Impractical. But God spoke through him. Impractical. He had David kill a giant with a sling and a stone. Impractical. He led the children of Israel to a sea. And then he split it. Impractical. But impractical proceeds impossible. And if we want God to do impossible, we got to be willing to walk in impractical. So those are biblical examples. I want to give you an example from two weeks, uh, three weeks ago. God moved in our church powerfully. And after service, Sherry Atwill walked up to me and said, can you pray for my brother-in-law? He has stage four cancer and he's in pain all the time. And he has a death sentence, the doctors say. Okay. So whenever you pray for someone to be healed, that is impractical. I want you to understand this. So we prayed, and, and, and we, I prayed for complete healing, like not just God to take away the pain, but I want God to remove the cancer. Because he can. And he loves Sherry's brother-in-law. And I said, Sherry, this is your step of faith. I want you to go home, and I want you to call your sister, and see how your brother-in-law is doing. And I, be, I believe that there will be improvement. And she called me the next day. And she said, Pastor Ryan, I, 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 and I said, this is your step of faith. Just call her. Just, we prayed. So check in. Ask. Is there any improvement? 
And she, she, uh, she called me, like, uh, I think it was like two days later. She's like, I talked to my sister the last couple days, and he hasn't had any pain with stage 4 cancer. I'm like, praise God. That was one of the things we prayed, that God will remove the pain. Praise God. Impractical. But then a week, two weeks later, she calls, and she says, get this. They did an MRI, and the tumors are shrinking. Impractical. But God does impossible. And we're going to keep praying, and we're going to keep declaring health. We're going to keep declaring healing over this man, and we're going to believe God. They said the tumors will never truly go away. Well, now I know how to pray, right? They say one thing, but I know God can do impossible when I'm willing to do the impractical. So God's wisdom is not practical. If you want to walk in God's wisdom, you got to be willing to do the impractical so God can do the impossible. And um, with, with that said, I think we just need to give God some praise real quick for what God is doing. Sherry's, thank you, Jesus. Praise your name, God. That's something to, to lift up and praise God for. What's, what's something else? It's not, it, it's not practical. It's not having a firm handle on what's going on. If you think, like, you, you meet those people that they can just assess a situation and they can just, they have a firm handle on what's going on. Like, whether it be politically, whether it just be, like, they could just analyze a room and they could just, like, but that's not God's wisdom. Like, that might be a gift from God. I don't know. That could be discernment. But that's not God's wisdom. That, they could just be really smart. It's not having a firm handle of what's going on. That can appear like wisdom, but it's not God's wisdom. And sometimes we think those people are really wise, but, like, I think the majority of people walk in God's wisdom, and they have no idea what's going on. Just because you don't have a, an idea of what's going on in life, in your family, doesn't mean you're not walking in God's wisdom that means you're probably a prime candidate for God's wisdom. But does, and just because God, God will pour it out on you, if you ask and you have faith in him, it doesn't mean that you're going to have understanding. Oh, man, you're like, I don't know if I agree with this. This is kind of wrecking my understanding of God's wisdom. It's not having an answer for everything. God's wisdom is not having an answer for everything. I think you could walk in God's wisdom and someone asks you something, you'd be like, I don't know. That's okay to say that. You're not Solomon or Jesus. It's not knowing what to do in every situation. And the last one is, it's not knowledge. God's wisdom is not knowledge. I once heard that a worldly definition of wisdom is applied knowledge but that's not God's wisdom either like when, when you walk in the wisdom of the world you take the knowledge you have and then you apply it to your life and you walk that out that's how the world might define wisdom but that's not how God defines wisdom so I want to read James chapter 3 17 through 18 let, let, let's just let's just look at James chapter 3 now or let's start with verse 13 13 if you are wise 
and understands God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life. Doing good works with humility that come from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every kind of evil. But the wisdom from above, so I want, I want you to grab this. What does it say? But the wisdom from above is. So this is God defining his wisdom. Okay? This is not some lofty idea. This is not a version of wisdom. This is God's definition. The wisdom from above is, first of all, pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. So what is God's wisdom? It has less to do with what we do and has everything to do with who we are. When we ask for God's wisdom, we are asking God to change us, change our being. We're asking God to step in and change us. So I really thought about this, and I prayed about this, and I wanted to give you one term that might solidify what God's wisdom is and how we can walk in it. So let me say it this way. God's wisdom is being like Jesus in all circumstances. God's wisdom is being like Jesus in all circumstances. If you want to walk in God's wisdom, and when you ask, God, I need your wisdom, what you are really asking, according to James 3, is you're saying, God, I need your help to act like your son in this area. I need your help to think like your son here. So you want to walk in God's wisdom and limitless wisdom? Is being like Jesus in all circumstances. Man, it's getting quiet in here. Maybe I'm preaching better than you're listening. I don't know. Oh, come on, Ryan. That's a Stephen Furtick quote. So the next question is, how do I get it and walk in it? It's not what you think. It's not what you think. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to earn it. That's so good. Praise God you don't have to earn it. You don't need to be qualified for it. Right now, Amy and I are trying to buy a house, and we had to be qualified to even buy a house. Like, we, we tried when we first got married to buy a house, and they said, 
we weren't qualified, probably because we were young and dumb and didn't make enough money on youth pastor's salary. But you don't have to get qualified for God's wisdom. The world tries to qualify you for things. I mean, like there's some jobs you can go out there and apply for, and, and you get asked, like, hey, I would like to work here. That's what an application is. Like, I'm asking to work here. And if you don't reach, reach the qualifications, you're, like, you, you don't have enough experience. You don't even have to have experience for God's wisdom. The only qualifying thing is have faith in God alone. Have faith in God alone. James 1, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. He wants you to ask. He wants you to ask. But when you ask, be sure you have faith in God alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is unsettled as a wave of the sea and is tossed back and forth with every wind of doctrine. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. And what James is really getting at, now that we understand what wisdom is, James is saying, how do you walk in it? When we ask for wisdom, what God is really hearing is he's saying, we're saying to God, God, I need your wisdom. But what he's hearing is, God, make me more like Jesus so my decisions, my actions look like your son. And so, but if we are listening to the wisdom of the world and listening to God, we're divided. So God's not going to pour out his son in us if we're looking like the world or acting like the world or thinking like the world. That person should not expect. That's why I think it's so important that fasting and prayer are important because there are times that we need to shut things off out of our life to hone in on who God is and what he's saying and what he wants to do. Fasting is so good for that because it gets it, it provides opportunity for us to, to say, God, who are you? Obviously, the word tells us, but the world, the, the word tells us, but the world also tries to redefine who God is. And, and I, that's why I think that we need to shut TV off sometimes. I'm not saying TV is bad. I love a good movie. Shut the news off because the news pumps fear. The news pumps anxiety. Sometimes you got to ask people to stop talking at work. If all they're spewing out of their mouth is negativity, you don't need that. If all they're spewing is crap, you don't need that. You just need to, maybe you don't need to tell them to shut up. That would, might get you fired. I don't know. But maybe avoid them for a season to where you can focus. Because if, if, if we're really actually listening to them, if we're listening to them, and, and we're actually putting stock into what they're saying. So, so what does it mean to put stock? I've heard this my whole life. What does it mean to put stock into, in, into something? That means that we have a vetted interest. So if a person's spewing junk at us, or the TV, news, whatever, books that we're reading, whatever we're consuming is spewing junk at us, and we're putting stock in it, that means we start to believe it, and we're listening to it. How can a person with divided loyalty, what as a follower of Christ, my job is to listen to God and to do what he asked me to do. But this over here, God is over here telling me to do impractical things. God is over here saying, hey, I want you to go 
do whatever. You know, maybe maybe it's uh, pray with someone who is, has stage four cancer that they may be healed. But 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 this source over here is saying that's impossible. But God's over here saying I do impossible. But a person with divided loyalty is probably going to lean on this side. And God's saying I, I'm just I'm not going to pour in someone whose stock is divided. They're bought into this. And God's saying, you got to be bought into me. In faith in God alone. Faith in God alone. We take what little we have, and we say, hear God, and then do what he says. And so, how do we walk in God's wisdom? It's, we shut this source off over here we got to stop listening to it. And maybe we need to ask God, what in my life is, is, is pulling me towards anxiety, pulling me towards depression, pulling me, robbing me of peace and joy? What in my life is, is robbing me? Because the enemy is a thief, and he wants to rob you. And he will send little subtle things here and there, and, and he'll work his way in, and you won't even realize it's robbing you. It might be from a source that you don't even know. And ask the Lord, because if you ask, come to God and say, Lord, I need wisdom here. I want to act like Jesus, and I know something's robbing me. I'm recognizing, and I repent of this. God's like, all right. I love it, because you... You want to be like me. You want to make decisions based on what I tell you to do, based on my reasoning, my thinking, and, 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 and walk like Jesus. You know, Jesus got news about a funeral, and he stayed where he was four days. Impractical. And, and it kind of seemed rude. But that was God's wisdom at work in Jesus. That was the Holy Spirit at work in Jesus. So... How do I walk in it? How do I get it? We ask. We just ask. We ask. And then we, put, we quit putting faith in other things. We quit, we quit putting faith in our reasoning. We quit putting faith in common sense. We quit, we quit putting faith in maybe people that are sowing negativity into your life. I mean, like... We put our faith in God alone. So really the question that we need to ask today, if we want to walk in the wisdom of God, this is a question we need to ask. How do I become like Jesus? Not the world's definition of Jesus. Not my understanding of Jesus. How do I become like Jesus, the Bible? How do I let him change me? It's probably not what you think. We can make a list of things that we can do. It's not, it's, you can't earn it. The thing that the Lord's been really laying on my heart personally, I'm going to get some personal. Can I get personal for a second? I normally do. 
not for the church, not for C1, not for my family, but for me. Because the Lord has challenged me to fall, re-fall in love with him. To come back to my first love. It's easy to get busy. It's easy to, to do good things in our life. It's easy to try to pursue what God wants us to do. And then at the same time, fall out of love with Jesus. I'm not saying I fell out of love with Jesus. But I want to know God. I want to know him. If I, if I spent the next year, all I did was pray and sought him and worshiped him, I would still only scratch the surface of an infinite God. If I'm in heaven for a million years worshiping him and just pursuing and to know him, I've only scratched the surface of an infinite God. And, and I, I think that to walk in wisdom is to fall in love with Jesus all over again, day in and day out. Day in and day out. My children act like me when I spend time with them. They start making decisions like I make decisions when I'm with them. When I cut out other influences out of their life. They start acting like me and when they act crazy, they start acting like their mom. And But what are we spending time with? How do I become like Jesus? I spend time with him. That stat statistic, the average Christian prays 90 seconds a day. And the average pastor prays three minutes a day. That means we have 24 hours. 23 hours and 58 and a half seconds of other influences in our life. Or if you're a pastor, you're super spiritual, you have 23 hours and 57 minutes of other influences in your life. That can't be the standard. We can't expect to walk in limitless wisdom. No, knowing how God defines it is to be like Jesus in every circumstance and then not spend time with him. Not spend time with him. So the question we got to ask this week, how do I become more like Jesus? And I'm going to answer it. Spend time with him. Maybe it's just you want to blow the stats out of the water and you're like, I'm going to just really blow them out of the water. Don't set an hour timer. Set a five-minute timer. And just spend five minutes with him. You're going to be doing twice as good, over twice as good as every other Christian on the planet. Jesus never started big. He said the kingdom of God is like a seed. It starts small, but it grows. Maybe it's just five minutes with Jesus every day. Maybe if you're already doing five minutes, praise God, you're already beating the statistics. Maybe it's... 10 minutes. What, what, what does it mean to spend time with Jesus? Like, I, 
I use a system. I'm, I'm just going to give you an example. I'm not telling you you have to do this, but I'm going to tell you what I do. There's a system called SOAP, and it's scripture, observation, application, and prayer. So I read the Bible. I observe it. I think about what, what, is, what is the author saying to this. I, I think. I, I think through it. I, I look at like, okay, he's addressing this, 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 and this. And then I start thinking, okay, what's the application? I write these things out too. I like, I write it out. Like, and I'm not saying this is the right way. I'm just saying that this is a way to spend time. Because really, what, what, is, what is the Bible? It's Jesus in book form. Jesus says, I am the word of God. He is the living word of God. So you want to get to know Jesus in time with him, the word. And, and so application, I'm like, okay, how does this apply to me? How does this affect my life? How, how can I become more like Jesus through what I just read? And then I pray. I pray. Lord, I need your word to be applied to my life to transform me. One of the things I declare over myself is Jesus. I want to end this day more like who you are than who I started it, than where I started it today. I want to end the day more like Jesus than who I was when I woke up this morning. And, and, and so, soap, scripture, Observation, application, prayer. That's just one way. I'm not saying it's the only way, but we got to start with a way. If we want to walk in limitless wisdom, if we want the, we are supposed to be different from the world. That means our thinking has to be different. Our reaction has to be different. How does it get different? Is when we look like Jesus, when we act like Jesus. Jesus did not look like the world looked. That's why they crucified him. They were expecting this Messiah to look a certain way, and Jesus did not fit the mold. And they missed it. We can't fit the mold of the world. If Jesus didn't fit the mold, we can't fit the mold. We can't be thinking like the world. We can't be acting like the world. And if you're asking for wisdom, that's a big prayer. Because it's not about making decisions. It's about who you are. It's about changing who you are. I, I, I want God's wisdom. I need God's wisdom to change me to be like Jesus. So I can be a better husband. A better father. So I can model before this world who Jesus is. When I have conversations with people, we gotta have scripture. We gotta have prayer. We gotta have reflection. We, we have to have it. And I'm not telling you start big, I'm telling you just start. Maybe 90 seconds is a stretch for you. Well, let's start with a minute minute a day a week you'll be doing more than 90 seconds two days you'll be doing more than 90 seconds
today, if you're here and, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the truth is, that's how you start in wisdom. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, and it's not that we're afraid of God, it's that we're terrified of being away from Him. And the truth of the matter is, we are eternal. We are going to exist forever. And the state of which we exist is fully determined on whether we put faith in Jesus alone. Because the reality is there are two eternities. One of eternal death, which the world calls hell, and one of eternal life, which we call heaven. And the reward isn't heaven for living with Jesus. The reward is Jesus. God loves you enough to spend eternity with you. And he just happened to make it awesome. But he wants eternity with you. And he doesn't, the Bible says that God is not willing that any perish, but all come to a place of repentance. And repentance is a big churchy word. But it just means change. In the Old Testament, before Jesus came, it meant going a new direction. In the New Testament, repentance means to change the way we think, and it's both. When we accept Jesus, who died for our sins in our place on a cross 2,000 years ago, we, when we are confronted with the man God, Jesus Christ, fully man, fully God, there has to be a response in our spirit. And it's not just about a prayer prayed. It's, it's a full recognition that he is God and he took my place. And then God rose him from the dead so that we can have life everlasting with him. And if you're here, and if you're far away from God, you, you have not been living with Jesus in mind. You've been living with yourself in mind. You've been making decisions based on what you want, not on what God wants. That lifestyle, there's only one way out, and it's death. The wages of that lifestyle, living for self. And, and we, we throw the word sin around a lot, but we don't define it. Really, sin is saying, I want what I want. That's what sin is. It's living for yourself. And the Bible says, when you live for yourself, the, the only possible means of outcome is death. You are going to die when you live for yourself. But the free gift of God is eternal life. And God did not send Jesus into the world to condemn you. He's not about con condemning you. If you're feeling condemnation, he's saying, I just want a relationship with you. All I require is that you believe that I am the son of God and let me transform you. It's not about a prayer prayed. It's not about any of that. I think one of the worst things that's ever happened to the church is a sinner's prayer because it doesn't emphasize transformation. It's not about that. God loves you and he wants a relationship with you and he wants to transform you because if you're living for yourself, he does not want you to die and go to hell. And what I want to do today in response, if you want, 
that's, that's a basic start. How do I become like Jesus? I make him God of my life. I quit living for myself. That's the first thing you do when you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And as a Christian, how do we walk in godly wisdom? How do I become more like Jesus? I make Jesus God of my life so I don't live for myself. It's the same for you as it is for a sinner. It's day in, day out saying, God, I want what you want in my life. I surrender to your lordship. So what I would like to do is let's stand. Pastor Andy's going to lead in a song. And if you're here today and you are far from God, you have not been living for God, I'm going to be right down here. And I want to pray with you. Do not walk out of this service today the same way you walked in if you need to meet Jesus. Maybe you're here and you just need to lay down before the Lord. Go, go lay down before the Lord. Maybe you just need to worship God and maybe there is repentance. Maybe there is, Lord, I've been operating in what I think is wisdom, but it wasn't wisdom because I haven't been acting like you. Lord, I, I need your help to act like you. Maybe that's the prayer that you need to pray. But as Pastor Andy leads you, I need you to listen to the spirit of the living God and do what he says. If it's fall at your face and pray, then do it. If it's worship and surrender, then do it. Just do what he says. If it's I need prayer about a situation, then come. I'm willing to pray with you. But what I don't want you to do is to get bitter, because that's demonic. To get unforgiving, that's demonic. To complain, that's demonic. When we complain, we're telling God, you don't know what you're doing. That's what complaining is. Let's respond. You were the very song we could ever sing And you're worthy of all the praise we could ever bring And you're worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Jesus' name above every other name. And Jesus, the only one that could ever save, you're worthy. You're worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Show 
guys but to be like Jesus so just if you, if you want God's wisdom to transform who you are repeat after me I'm not going to force anyone to pray 
I'm not going to be like, everyone pray this. Because, like, quite frankly, the prayer is only as good as a heart behind it. So if you don't mean it, it's just words. But if, if, you, if you really want God to, to give you wisdom and your faith is in him alone, please repeat after me. Father, make me like Jesus in every area of my life. I surrender who I am to your lordship that I might walk in your wisdom that I might be like Christ to this world. Thank you that you're generous, that you're faithful. I worship you in the name of Jesus. Amen. You guys already look wiser. God's gonna do some amazing things. Let's just keep pushing forward, guys. Lord, be with your church. Bless them and keep them. Make your face shine on them and be gracious to them. Father, turn your countenance towards them and may they have peace in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.